0: From a different time, one man has decided to go back to the time of blockbuster. Five for five for five, VHS. Award-winning broadcaster Todd Anstead is proud to bring to you VRS Video. Watch, yeah, I, you know what? I did some rewatching this past weekend. I've kind of more or less taken over Todd's uh, podcast here, just briefly, with a mini episode. Just I wanted to get some content up for the VHS, sorry, VRS listeners. And uh, I didn't. Uh, it was not unlike me uh, taking over this the Todd cast. It was not unlike a uh, you know an old school bandit out of a Western movie uh, taking over a stagecoach full of Pinkertons. And it's, in fact, that's what we're going to be talking about today. I pitted two Western movies, uh, fairly modern Western. I didn't go too far back, although one is sort of based on an old classic Western from back in the day, the John Wayne era. Uh, in fact, a John Wayne movie, and it was True Grit, but it's the remake, the Coen Brothers remake that had uh, Jeff Bridges and uh, Matt Damon, everybody's favorite Matt Damon, um, as well as uh, a very good performance by the, uh, the 14-year-old actress in the movie, Haley, oh man, let me bring it up, I forget her name already, this is not good, I do have my the wiki pages open so I won't be as bad as I usually am with this kind of thing. Yeah, Haley Steinfeld, or Steinfeld uh, almost like Seinfeld but different, and she was just amazing in this movie, 14-year-old, uh, just a fantastic performance by her and i'm pitting this movie against uh 310 to yuma 20 or sorry 20 2007's uh 310 to yuma which included uh performances by Russell Crowe and Christian Bale as well as a um uh, again a younger actor uh Logan Lerman. Logan Lerman kind of sounds like the uh, beginning of the uh, offspring song of it. Um yeah, so I'm going to kind of pit them, and why am I putting, pitting the two of them against each other? Well, A, it's fun. B, uh, it's kind of Western-y, so there's like, you know, the standoff kind of shootout sort of uh, idea. Uh, pitting them against each other that way. And uh, as well as um, we are coming up as as far as with VRS, we, we have a, a new idea that we're going to be um, sort of executing uh, upcoming. And it's going to be a mini episode about that that I'm going to do uh, right away after this one. Uh, and it's going to be pitting all of the different genres of movies uh, against each other. Actually, I should say, you know, specific to each genre. For example, Halloween is coming up, so we're going to pit the top sixteen uh, horror movies of all time against each other. There will be quadrants involved. Uh, there will be a um, like a B horror movie bracket. Will be like the best four of those, the best uh, classic. Horror movies, whether that's you know Halloween versus Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or you know that sort of thing, uh, the four best modern ones, which I guess could include like maybe Blair Witch Project or, um, I don't know. So what is it? The um, the one with the the actual ghosts, Paranormal Activity, I think, uh, that kind of thing, and then maybe um, maybe the, uh, the 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 villain uh, series, maybe the series is like the Freddy versus Jason or that kind of thing. Haven't exactly figured it out, but basically it's going to be like the sinister 16. And then it goes down to the, the hateful eight and the, um, the frightening four. And then, uh, the, the, the final two, right? So I guess the, uh, the gruesome twosome as the final two, maybe. And then we will coin on this show the best horror movie of all time. And then we can move on from that, action movies, um, so forth. So that's why we're kind of getting, this is sort of a uh, precursor to that, pitting movies against each other. Uh, I do not have the other fellows with me today, but I might uh, reach out to them in real time here with a group text and see what they vote as far as the two shows are. Uh, the, the winners, if you will. Um, yeah, I might, uh, I might type up that text here. I might, it's going to be a little bit tough to do. I should have had it ready, actually, but um, let's see if I can do it quick. But um, yeah, so I, I think I'll start with the, the 310 to Yuma, uh, t- talking about that movie, 2007s. Uh, bear with me. I'm going to edit this. I'm actually going to text the guys just so you guys don't have to listen to it. All right, I'm back. I have fired off the text. So anyways, we are going to go on to 310 to Yuma to start. This is the first movie I watched. I uh, dubbed it Western Weekend. So I kind of watched these both of these movies back again. So almost back to back within the same day, anyways, just to kind of keep that feel. Pretended like my uh, you know, my couch was a stagecoach. You know, had some uh, had my belt buckle on the cowboy hat uh, next to my uh, my um, non-alcoholic sarsaparilla, and I was kind of watching. So anyways, I uh, so this one here I was a big fan of. I have watched these both in theaters because I was, uh, you know, pretty pumped about these ones coming out. Uh, Three Ten to Yuma. I was, this was kind of my height of uh. Of uh, liking Christian Bale and you know, his, his performances and so forth. Oh, already got, a, uh, already got a, a, a ding from Glenn. So Glenn weighed in and he says a true grit by a mile. So he much preferred true grit. Okay, we'll see what Todd weighs in at. So this is kind of the dynamic that we're going to be going as far as um, you know, what we're going to do with the, the horror movie bracket and so forth coming up. Uh, because there's three of us, obviously myself, uh, Todd and Glenn or Glay Todd, as it's, uh, some, somehow known as we combine all three of our names when we do the movie night series, uh, which you can check in our archives. We did star Wars, uh, sort of trilogy, uh, and an alien versus predator, uh, movie night with, with Glay Todd. We just kind of go through the series is, uh, in a very serious manner. And, uh, so anyway, so, um, yeah, basically there's never going to be a not, finish so there's because there's not gonna be a tie there's there's oftentimes whoever kind of chimes in first is going to um is going to you know say what their piece or whatnot and then it'll be down to the last person to chime in to break the tie and if there's no tie then it's a unanimous uh victory either way there's always it's always going to be two to one or three to zero as far as whatever movie is going to advance so uh for me it's funny that uh, Glenn chimed in with true grit especially by a mile that's, that's I think a little bit of an over overstatement. Uh I would actually go with with uh, 310 to yuma and I'm talking by like 2% maybe like if it was on a 100% scale I would almost say that um <clears throat> 310 to yuma would be 92% 93% whereas uh um, sorry, no, 310 to Yuma would be about 93%, and True Grit would be 90, 91. Like, it's just that close. So, um, I guess anybody that hasn't, uh, I'm speaking to those that have, have, have watched these movies, obviously. If you haven't, I mean, you can kind of, I'll give a little, uh, I guess, plot points and whatnot. Uh, so, 310 to Yuma is, I want to say it's a, maybe not a remake. Was it, I think that both of these were remakes? Maybe not, uh, at least based on books. Um I know obviously there was the John Wayne movie was The True Grit but um okay so a little bit of background uh the performances in 310 to Yuma basically the whole idea is uh Russell Crowe is Ben Wade sort of a uh, like an outlaw uh and he is uh finally captured after doing a sort of daring stagecoach robbery, uh, early in the movie and him and his men go roll into a town, uh, for some dr- victory drinks and Ben Wade, Russell Crowe's character ends up staying behind and, uh, kind of flirting with this, uh, girl that I he either met or thought he had met her. I, I think it's seen seed performed. She used to be a singer and he had, uh, recognized her. So he stayed behind to kind of have a, you know, a, uh, a sex scene, essentially, with her. Actually, I don't think it was a sex scene, but you get what I mean. There was, there was a torrid love affair between the two of them. And that's how he got caught, because he was left behind. So his whole group uh, sort of became aware that he, you know, when he didn't meet them later, that he was uh, he was obviously, like, in apprehension of the, of the authorities of this town. Uh, so they were going to, the whole idea was they needed to get him on the 3.10, so 3.10 p.m. train to Yuma, Yuma being where the prison was going to be. So that's where the name comes from. And uh, basically Christian Bale's uh, character is uh, Dan Evans, and he's sort of a guy with a gimpy leg, one leg or part part of his leg is missing because he's like an old war veteran that kind of, um, yeah, had had some uh, some rough rough go of it. So he's having a hard time kind of keeping his, his family's head above water. He's sort of on a, a land that uh, has been earmarked for different purposes, but he doesn't want to leave with his family because that's kind of all they have and um so really fallen on hard times his son who's the logan lerman character uh, william uh is obviously uh, kind of at the age where he wants more in life and is sort of rebelling against specifically the dad uh christian bale's character and really has no respect for him he just thinks he's kind of a, you know a, like a lame duck can't you know can't uh, take care of his family and is always sort of like you know, barely uh barely able to make ends meet. So to uh to William the the son's character, uh he just feels like his his dad is just useless, basically, and just is always rebelling against him and calling him names and everything. And there's no uh you know, doesn't treat him in a dignified manner. So uh, basically it ends up that uh, Christian Bale's character uh takes on the job of helping uh getting Ben Wade, Russell Crowe's character to the three ten Yuma Uh, 310 Yuma train in order to make uh, you know X amount of money whatever it was two or three hundred dollars which would have gotten them through the winter repaired their barn yada yada kind of keep going and uh, and hopefully earned the respect of his son you could just tell he was sort of at the end of his rope as far as just the way his son and his wife was looking at him he needed something to kind of you know, something big. And so this was something big for him. So then Ben Wade and Dan Evans sort of, uh, end up, uh, I wouldn't say like a friendship, but sort of a mutual respect between the two of each other. I think there was more layers to each other than they expected. Uh, so kind of towards the end of the movie there, Ben Wade is almost cooperating. Well, not almost, he's entirely cooperating with, with Dan Evans, the bail character. As far as getting on the, uh, the the train, which at first glance seems a little bit strange, uh, you know, maybe that uh, Ben Wade has sort of had a change of heart, uh, but then he sort of reveals with a twinkle in his eye towards the very end that he's like, "I've been I've been to Yuma before, and I've escaped Yuma, so you know, let me let me help you out here. Let me give you a, a helping hand." So it was kind of cool. It's just a really cool sort of story of redemption on the, both sides of the fence, right, for Ben Wade and for the Dan Evans character. And there's sort of a nice parallel story with, um, so B- Ben Wade's right-hand man is uh, Charlie Prince, who is a uh, portrayed by Ben Foster, who does a very sort of underrated performance. He's excellent in this movie. Um, just sort of an iconic look. He's got like the cool, like, white tan sort of leather coat with the the double, I don't know anything about guns, but the double, like, you know. I I kind of forget what they what they call them in the movie. Forgive me. He has two cool guns that he spins around and he's got like deadly aim and and just like a really deadly right-hand man. So he's kind of um you know, the guy uh loyally uh you know, following Ben Wade around and, and basically getting the the guys to to follow the uh the group that is sort of uh passing uh Ben Wade towards the uh, you know through the through the landscape towards the, the uh, train station, and um, there's a nice parallel, I think the story told of like a subplot with like the fact that sort of uh, Charlie Prince is so loyal and looks up to Ben Wade so much and is so uh, that's like his sort of be all end all I guess, whereas on the flip side of it uh, william William like the the son is just not loyal or really respectful to his dad at all and then they have this like big switch at the end where it's almost the opposite happens where Christian Bale's character uh, Dan has this redemption where his son finally respects him and will carry on the legacy with that as the final memory of his of his father Uh, you know change of heart I guess that way and then the opposite happens where uh, ben Wade actually turns on Charlie Prince because Charlie Prince ends up killing Dan right uh, right as he gets Ben Wade on the train. And he's like, you know, he basically did it. And uh, so then Russell Crowe comes down and just shoots his entire crew, which is just a crazy end scene, including uh, including um, Charlie Prince, like Ben Foster's character. And uh, they had almost like a uh, kind of a strange relationship, like a paternal relationship Father's son almost, but it also like hinted, and I I looked this up just to see if there was any truth to it. I don't know how if what your guys' interpretation of it was, but there was almost like a sexual uh relationship, I think, between like Charlie Prince and Ben Wade. Because Ben Wade was talking about uh, like a girl with green eyes throughout like the entire movie. And I thought the first time I saw it, there's like this really um close-up tight shot of uh the Ben Foster character, Charlie Prince. At the very end after, he, after uh, Ben Wade shoots him right in the stomach or in the chest and they have like almost a face to face. And the way it's filmed it almost looks like Charlie Prince is supposed to have this like reveal that he has green eyes or something like that. And uh, also like earlier in the movie like with the first scene that you see Charlie Prince uh, I think it was Peter Fonda's character. Peter Fonda is amazing in this by the way. Uh, he's like uh, one of the older like stagecoach drivers like Pinkerton's basically the people that transport the money. And does an excellent job in this movie and i'm pretty sure he calls uh charlie prince like charlie princess and he's known for being like a drag queen or something like that so that's where i was like huh there's, is there something to that i don't know maybe i'm reading too much into it but in any event those are like sort of that's like the subplot i also like there's a is it david arquette or is it um is it david arquette i don't know he anyway there's like this one scene where ben wade actually gets away from everybody I always get, is it, or is it, um, man, I want to say it's David Arquette. Anyways, there he's like this guy with terrible teeth that uh, he's kind of like this other group that had been looking for Ben Wade. And they ended up having to like actually like get Ben Wade away from these guys. So because they wanted the money for getting him to the train and these guys were going to just torture him and kill him. So there's a lot of cool scenes like the uh, the way it's filmed. I'm not sure where it says if it's filmed here. Of course, it'll be kind of reading as it go. This is the benefit of having a, a few different hosts because you can read while somebody else is talking. Oh, let's see here. Yeah, it is. Okay, so it was a remake of a 1957 Western. Um, let's see. Production. Filmed in. Where are we? Oh, yeah. Contention, which is now a ghost town. Uh, so Mexico Road State. Filming began. Um. I don't know where these places are, but yeah, so uh, Diablo Canyon, okay, which is, uh, yeah, again, don't really know, I guess you can Google it, I would, okay, there we go, New Mexico is a lot of, uh, you know, area of where they shot shot as well, um, okay, and also says uh, it ended up beating um, the assassination of Jesse James, the Brad Pitt movie and no country for old men at the time of its release. So it did fairly well off, off jump street, the critical, uh, reviews of it rotten tomatoes and ended up getting, uh, 89%. And the average rating is a uh, 7.5 out of 10. So pretty good. Uh, it looked, averaged a B, uh, on the cinema cinema score. So yeah, pretty, pretty high. I think, uh, I'm almost a guarantee that True Grit actually has a slightly higher rating than this. So, again, personal taste. Um, yeah, I'm just going to read some other stuff. Yes. Yeah, I really like I want to say like Christian Bale did a really good job of of, of these like the more like tortured uh, people. If you really look like that is some of his body work like mechanic uh, this movie, even Batman is kind of like a conflicted hero, right? So American Psycho, like he, obviously that's not a hero, but he's the protagonist. He does a good job of, uh, In the, I just watched American Hustle the other night for the first time in a while. Um, he does a good job of these sort of like, I don't know, down and out guys. So he did a really great job in this movie, I think. And Russell Crowe is... Uh, I don't know. I never, I didn't like him as much growing up, but now, like when I'm looking back at some of his performances, like man, is he ever good? And he was awesome in this movie. I think he kind of stole the show. I was definitely more of a Christian Bale fan going into this movie um, than Russell Crowe, but I'm you know looking back on it, especially Russell Crowe was just amazing in this movie. So three ten to Yuma, I would give you a ninety three percent. It's pretty hard to uh, say that there was any faults in it from from my view now. Pitting it against True Grit, so True Grit is a little more. Uh, whimsical is not the word it had a little more humor to it though for sure i mean cohen brothers do such a good job of um uh sort of balancing serious kind of like almost dark at times uh, subject matter with like underlying of uh underlying it with like some humor i find they they do really good in in that with a lot like you think fargo uh has like the wood chipper scene but is otherwise fairly you know whimsical for at times right um I guess aside from No Country for Old Men, which is, you know, had to stay the course as it did. Um, A lot of their movies mix, you know, mix some humor in there. So there's definitely a bit of that, like uh, the way that, uh, I mean, just the the way that um, Jeff Bridges character acts and talks as a rooster Cockburn. Is it Cogburn? Cogburn. There we go. Cockburn. That would make more sense. Rooster Cockburn, yes. Uh, so Jeff Bridges, just amazing performance, the way he's, it's not even an accent, but he just can't talk like this, where he's like talking on the side of his mouth with like the other ha- hat, side of his mouth has like tobacco or something, like some chew in there or something like that. He's always talking like that. Josh Brolin, sort of a cameo role, is uh, the villain Tom Cheney or the, how uh, I forget what, uh, Matty Ross, Matty Ross, uh, Refers to him as the coward or something like that uh, that killed uh, her dad. So she's basically out to get, uh, um, on behalf of her family, uh, get revenge for the uh, the murder of her father. And he wants she wants to find. Uh, she goes out at age of fourteen, but she's nothing to be screwed with. She's very uh, sort of a tough customer, and she does it so well. It's such an awesome performance by uh, Haley Steinfeld and as uh, Maddie Ross, and just. Excellent. There's so many cool scenes in this movie. Um I just I always remember the one the one of the last scenes. It's almost like a montage where like after um uh after Maddie Ross has been bitten by the snake and um, Rooster Cogburn has to basically run her back to like Bridal Carry, run her back after the ho- the horse passes away from exhaustion. Uh runs her to the nearest town and just it's almost is really touching sort of music montage of of him taking her to a place where she can get uh, get medical attention uh, she ends up losing half of her arm or most of her arm as you see at the sort of the climax of the movie and um, yeah just awesome again awesome movie like they're both I love what about love about westerns is the the old <clears throat> settings that they can use whether it's ghost towns or whatever else that they can use the old stage coaches and it really transports you and your imagination to a different time as it's you know as it's supposed to uh Todd has still not weighed in by the way well so he might be he's the tiebreaker so hopefully Todd is awake because he's uh three hours apart he should be at 7 p.m his time so he should should get this in in time I hope um but in any event so yeah the Coen brothers I mean again just so good with their um you know their eye for details, they really do transport you to a different world. They do a lot of uh, stuff that I think kind of catches your subconscious. It's almost like, you know, Wes Anderson and other movie makers like that where they're so detail-oriented in the setting and the mood and, you know, the time period and the costumes and everything. It re- really immerses you in, uh, not to say that 310 to Yuma didn't, but I think, um, I don't know, there's just something about a Coen Brothers movie that really transports you into a into this whole other world <clears throat> so they did a really good job especially considering that like it's a remake but they kind of made it their own but also stayed the course with it as far as like keeping it true to uh you know what would uh, sort of be viewed as the original version and sort of the i guess what a lot of people would think would be the better version i'm not really sure who knows it's uh, it's hard to do a remake um especially when it's like a much more well-known remake i would think than the original 310 to yuma when you're talking about uh, john wayne right so yeah, a lot of um, I, I think the, the majority of the movie has a lot to do with Matt Damon, who's the Texas Ranger Labouf as well as uh, like Matty Ross and Jeff Bridges as like Marshal Rooster Cogburn, uh, basically looking for the Josh Brolin character and his group of of thugs. Uh, it's basically the three of them and the dynamic that they have, and again, that's kind of where there's some of the humor comes in. There's one scene where. Jeff Bridges' character is uh, just chucking up, I think biscuits, uh, to show that he has this excellent aim, like he still has his aim, and because uh, you know Matt Damon is kind of making fun of him uh, and just saying like you're you're so old, like your your skills are gone, and yada yada, kind of giving him shots. So he's like, oh yeah, well, check this out, and starts throwing like biscuits up in the air to shoot them, and it's just outrageous. And then they kind of have this like shoot off, um, and it's just yeah, the whole dynamic of the three of them is just like hilarious and it's good and they kind of separate from matt damon for a while and i think uh he ends up coming to one of the cabins where he thinks um you know the group of thugs is and jeff bridges and and uh and maddie ross (laughs) and now i'm using both real name and and actress name uh oops but you know so maddie ross and uh and cockburn are are have it staked out and um and then the Matt Damon character comes in and he ends up uh, getting shot by Rooster Cockburn. And so they kind of have a little argument after that. And anyway, so it kind of keeps going on like this. So they, then they, they've sort of meted up, met up again and their team again and so forth. And it's just by chance, like the trail's gone cold. And it's just by complete chance that uh, Matty Ross comes across Tom Chaney, uh, I think washing up in, in a creek bed, the other side of the, the river. Uh, from where she is and pulls a gun on him and says, yeah, you're coming with me. Uh, I guess the gun sort of backfires on her or something along those lines. So he's able to, to get her and um, yeah. And then they kind of, the, the two guys have to kind of pull together the Matt Damon and Jeff Bridges tandem have to pull together, put their differences aside in order to kind of help save her. And uh, so she ends up shooting uh, Tom Chaney and so getting sort of redemption that way, but the kick of the gun that she uh, that she was using uh, kicked her basically like the backfire backfired her right into this uh, this like not bottomless pit but a quite a, quite a pit uh, that was sort of up on the hill that they were on, and it was full of snakes. And she ended up waking up the snakes, and one bit her, and uh, yeah, that's kind of when she lost the arm and all that. So, but there's really cool you know scenes in this movie too. There was a guy that was hung from a tree and he was kind of dangling like 50 or 60 feet uh above and they're kind of wondering okay there is this tom cheney or whatnot so who is this guy he had a bag over his head uh so they had to so basically matty ross climbed the tree and cut him down and the scene of like just a super realistic dummy sort of the bird's eye view of this dummy uh following all the way down was super cool scene the whole thing um and like i think a native american comes out and sort of claims the body because it's you know worth worth something to him and just uh seems like that really stuck out um but again the the character dynamic the way the coen brothers really do it uh and it's very yeah just a very touching ending uh, of the movie um uh, again it's just sort of a tale of redemption and then you get to see Maddie ross like years later uh with her arm off her body kind of looking to to go visit um the Ranger LaBeouf and uh and Rooster Cockburn, but they both are sort of she's unable to to track them down. She just kinda wanted to I guess Cockburn had already uh, passed away. So she went and visited the grave and kinda had the last uh voiceover for the movie and uh yeah, just awesome. Such a good movie. So but to pit the two against each other, uh I would say like this one would be like ninety one percent, like I say. Um so It's uh, yeah, just edged out. Three Ten to Yuma just edges it out, and I, it's they're both the the endings of these. Both movies are just fantastic. Their performances are great. I, I just don't know what it is. I think it's the ending of Three Ten to Yuma was just so badass to me. Like when he's when he shoots his own crew, and then just gets on and, and takes off, and then he whistles for his horse, and his horse is kind of running alongside with him, and you know that you know you know with a twinkle in his eye he's going to prison because he's going to get out and you know I guess you assume there's a lot more like I don't know it's a little more open-ended which I kind of like you kind of assume there's a lot of kind of thinking that happens after you the ending where you kind of okay well is he going to come out is uh, the Russell Crowe character redeemed now is he going to break out of prison and, and go find that woman that he liked and and live a normal life now that he's kind of killed off his his gang, I don't know, so that, I think that was just it for me, it was like the endings, or both the endings were, were fantastic, but uh, True Grit had much more of a final ending, whereas uh, 310 to Yuma had a little bit more uh, uh, ending that kind of stoked imagination, so I'm going to go with that, oh man, I guess the tiebreaker, well, Todd is not going to get back to us right away here, so... Uh, we'll have to leave it at that. I guess this is going to be a bit of a cliffhanger. He will be the tiebreaker. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll mention it in a future episode. It'll be interesting to kind of see what you guys think of it. But uh, this was uh, Western Weekend, 310 to Yuma versus True Grit. Thanks for listening.